Welcome, Optolites. It's the Weird Vibes podcast. And a dog barking, apparently. <laughs> that was kind of loud. <laughs> how's your summer going? Hey, how's your summer going? How's your summer going, Dana? It's about... Uh, I feel like my summer's going pretty well, other than the fact that you just upset my dog. <laughs> just upset my dog. I think that really did sound like our doorbell, though. So that it would did. make sense. Quick behind the scenes, that... Gong you just heard was um our our new hydro flask water bottles that I got obsessed with even though I made fun of them for so long but they keep your water so cold it's like a magic trick you're a really good like textbook case of someone who and I honestly I always catch this happening where uh something you make fun of is something that you're critiquing because you're really reading like a lot of reviews because you're very uh-huh. interested in it. Yeah. So I feel like... Bobby convinced me, but I... Hot take. Hot take. I've been thinking about it all day. I'm pretty sure hydro flasks are just Yeti cups for people who didn't vote for Trump. Hell yes! Up top, bud. Up top. Yep. That's, uh... That's... Like, they're made in Portland. They're kind of fuck you, dad, a little bit. Like, the designs are way hippier. They are a little fuck you, dad, for sure. Even the colors... I, I don't even know how to describe this, but even the shades of color that Yeti uses are, like, conservative. Yeah, they're all, like, stainless steel, like... Or that pink camo, like the pink and the camo. Oh, the pink camo is a special kind of fucking stupid, except for Coco the dog, who has that. Okay, that's, I was like gonna say, I was like, wait, um, pink camo can hide you very well in... Where? Lands of cotton candy, my dude. Lands of cotton candy, my dude. How much longer do we have to do this? <laughs> All wait, right. Any- wait, are you talking about the podcast or like our marriage? <laughs> the podcast. I got, I mean, I don't know, man. That was kind of a weird question. All right. So what are we here today to talk about? Midsummer things. Midsummer things, right? Uh-huh. Yeah. We've seen a lot of shit over the summer. We and we decided to, to just like, yeah, like, catch up on a few things. So we're obviously talking about Midsummer because it came out yes. and... It kind of ruled, but we have a lot to say about it. Yes. Um, there's this new show I don't know if you've heard about called Stranger, <laughs> Stranger Things, right? Mm-hmm. It yeah, also kind of made me laugh that we're doing Stranger Things on Weird Vibes because it is obviously Stranger Things and it is sci-fi, but it is also, I feel like, it is the most mainstream that sci-fi will get other than, like, Black Mirror. Let's just start on that, okay. honestly, because <laughs> I keep getting ready to hate it. So what? much. I, it gets so you... oversaturated. Okay. And I get so ready to just be like, fuck this show, I'm over it. And then it's just so fun and it's so can good I, like, and it sucks me in so hard. Can I have like a social commentary intervention with you right now? Yeah. Okay. I feel like sometimes when you get too caught up in reading certain cycles of reviews for something, you... You have the type of personality that it's very easy for you to, like, broad stroke where, like, you'll come to me and be like, everybody's saying this about it. I don't think anybody's going to like it because everybody's saying this. And it'll be like, oh, you read, like, three reviews of something that are, like, 
kind of maybe from the same source. Like, you know how, like, the Rotten Tomatoes, um, the critics and the audience uh, reviews can be separate? Definitely. I feel like that for you is kind of, like, it's a make or break deal. Like, I don't know what you follow. Which do you follow? Do you follow, like, would you, if you're on Rotten Tomatoes, are you listening more to the critics or the watchers? Or oh, the people are animals. Critics. People are, okay, so, so you follow, okay, and honestly, even that says something. So I feel like it's really easy for you to be swayed before you see something because you're like, <laughs> yeah. everybody's seeing this. But I also really appreciate that in that moment when you watch something, you can also kind of just be like, no, this is what I think and this is specifically what I saw. But there are certain... Okay, so you will give just as much glory and forgiveness to something from A24 as you will give critique to something from M. Night Shyamalan. Does that make sense? Love M. Night Shyamalan. Well, no, I broke up with him. Exactly. That's a whole different episode. We'll talk about it in a future episode. Sorry, 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 sorry. I didn't mean to derail you. But I feel like it's, it's easy sometimes to... No, and I totally agree with everything you just said about me. It hurt. <laughs> oh my gosh, but no. it was true. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, that's not what I'm saying, though. I'm saying I got sick of the 24 t-shirts at Target and okay. the candy and the eggnog and the yes. pajama yeah. pants at Christmas and all that. It's just the over-marketing, the just over-saturation culturally. Yes. I was expecting expecting to leave a really bad taste in my mouth mm-hmm. because I got really sick of it, frankly. Yeah. But the show is really good and it kind of surpasses that. Well, it made me feel a lot better about all of it. Yeah. Like, I, I really, really love the direction it went this season. I love that it just went full over the top, like, video game, 80s movie yeah. like. <laughs> I mean, which it's always done. Yes. But I feel like it went a little further this season. Mm-hmm. Like, to be honest, like, I think you liked it a little bit more than me. I wasn't a huge fan of the second season. Really? This is, de- like, the third season's my favorite. Okay, honestly. I'm gonna, can I pause and give, like, a disclaimer that I have an unbelievable amount of forgiveness for any second installment of something because I've just started to realize that if they are planning, okay, so if if the franchise is planning anything after the second, the second is always going to be an explainer. I always call it the bridge. Like, I always call it the bridge of the series because yeah, that's, like, when yeah. a lot of the history, it's a lot of the origin stories, all that shit, right? It's, like, the reunion episode. So if, if a series is planning on more than two, it's going to be, like, a bridge of an episode. And if it's only planning on two and it's a sequel, the sequel almost by law has to be a little less cool than the original. If it's only, derivative. Well, if only because it, you have something to compare it to, whereas the original maybe impressed you no matter what to a certain standard because you hadn't seen anything of that story before, right? Yeah. So no matter what, you're going to hold the second to a more specific standard. So as a disclaimer, I will say I will always hold the second of something to much lower of a standard, much like the second day of a period. Not to go too far, but... Do you want to plug your other podcast? Oh, yeah. Oh, I guess we did do a period podcast. Also, I am deciding this is a medium that I love. And in the time that Sam and I have been watching a bunch of other media for y'all, I have also started another podcast called This is Uncomfortable. Um, I'm also working on another project where I will be interviewing people that I have found in my life that are very interesting, that I think you will find are very interesting, too. What I think is more interesting, though, is that we get back to Stranger Things. Any favorite characters this season? Any um, 
any standout characters? Absolutely. Um, my standout character for this season is Erica Sinclair. Erica Sinclair is Lucas's little sister. Oh, yeah, she's super she fun. Is, oh, my God. I have so much to say about her. She's definitely my favorite character. But do you, okay, but you answer that as well first. Um, I like Sheriff Hellboy. Okay. Sheriff <laughs> okay. had, like, his Hawaiian shirt this season. <laughs> like, it, it was tight. Dude. Yeah. It, <laughs> it was, was so fun. Honestly, the I love only- how it's over the top, just like. Balls to the wall, like, okay, we're going to do this, and we're going to do it 138%. 138%, no. for sure, yeah. So I um kind of didn't forget, I kind of didn't forget, I kind of didn't remember in the context that, um, that the actor was also working on Hellboy at the time, because I was like, dang, dude, Hopper just is, he just looks way different. Like they, Hellboy. Hellboy, I know, but Hopper for Stranger Things. But in this episode, for... In this episode, Sheriff Hellboy, please. Sheriff Hellboy. Okay, I'm sorry. <laughs> Sheriff Hellboy looked way different. And the only reason that I would comment on that is not ever to body shame him. Is because he was specifically he was going... so yoked out. Well, he was so yoked out this season and other seasons, he was just a really lean dude. He was just like an older, like, drunk sheriff who, like, didn't... Like, he was just, like, elite. Like, he didn't have, like, a body. He was, like, if anything, it would be, like, a dad bod. Like, it wasn't anything. And then because he... I'm pretty sure because of what you're saying is that he's also working on Hellboy at the time that this was probably filming, that he's just... He's just massive, dude. And it's not like he's He's like a rectangle made out of muscles that's just a little (laughs) tiny bit chubby. Exactly. That's exactly (laughs) what it is. And the Miami Vice shirt is like not... It's not helping things at all. It makes me so happy. It's so perfect. With his hairdo, too. I love it. It's so good. I also really like something that you pointed out when we were Mm -hmm. watching it that I didn't quite notice. And it's um, Lucas and Max, right? That are dating? Um, Yes. I like that you were talking about how Lucas was always the problem solver yes. in the group. Yeah. And for the first two seasons. Uh-huh. And that he was always the guy you went to. He always knew everything to do. But as they're getting a little bit older, like, there's spe- <laughs> the specific, like, line, the whole show where Lucas has no idea what to do, but Max does, and it kind of intimidates him for a little bit, but then he gets super into it. Yeah, yeah. It's like weirdly quietly feminist, because he kind of gets his position taken from him as like a social role, because the thing is, is it's not that she knows what to do in all those situations. Obviously, even Eleven answers those questions sometimes. Other members of the group answer those questions as well. But Lucas's role, I feel like, is more the like rational, like problem solver person in so many of those situations. And Max leaves him so flustered. Like he's flabbergasted. He's just like so in love and so he just wants to do right so bad that when he does wrong, he's just like, okay, just just guide me. And it's it's honestly really sweet that um that's one of those things that Stranger Things does really it's not that it's quietly feminist. I feel like if you know how to read for it, if you know how to read for any type of like... What about Barb? <laughs> oh, Barb. <laughs> Sorry, I didn't Pour one out you. for Barb, dude. But I feel like that's one of those little nods it gives to the fact that like um, they none of them at all ever waver in the fact that the two like like heroes of the story are heroines of the story because it's... It's Max and Eleven. Like, they're, you know, they're kind of guiding all of the... I mean, obviously, there's a lot of... The really cool thing that I loved about this season was that there were... um, 
they were doing that thing where there were like five simultaneous plot lines going. Yeah, I liked all the yeah. like different like buddy story it like road of, trippy movies. Exactly. So it reminded me of like that part like it's like a segment of a movie where everybody will like split up into weird pairs that you think is kind of like almost mismatched where you're like what are these people doing together? And they end up doing really well and it's like its own story, right? And I really I don't know if this played well for other people. This might actually be a criticism on the other side, but I really liked the split up roles and I liked how that was great. I thought I loved how the stories came together. I love that they were all solving a different piece of the story. I think something that we should not forget is that the main tagline of this show is um, it's about friendship very specifically. It's about um, that we like the things that we do for our friends like matter. And mm-hmm. obviously like Eleven's whole role in this is, you know, when she, even when they're like in a relationship, when she says to him, she always says friends don't lie because that was like one of the first things he ever, it was one of the first English phrases she ever learned. Yeah. She learned to like speak. So a big theme of the show that I think is really important um, to remember is that friendship is the underlying message of Stranger Things and a beautiful part of this season was that it was like all of them separately find like using their talents to find answers came together to solve this huge thing that they all only knew parts of until the end like they all needed yeah. I know we talk about this a lot but like gestalt like the the art theory gestalt of like um different pieces of one work when they come together are greater as a whole than they yeah. are as pieces. I think that's like a really great, I carry that theory through a lot of other things. And I feel like this season of stranger things did a really good job of doing that. Oh, I totally agree. Sorry that I just went on. My oh phone. no. I just think that <laughs> the greatest piece of that puzzle is my man, Dustin. Oh my gosh. Baby. Oh, and Susie, is it Susie Pooh? Susie Pooh. Sorry. Oh, the never-ending story themselves. I know, I'm, like, going high-pitched, but I cannot... That was was, the high point of the whole series, I knew she was real the whole time, Yeah. We knew, right? Spoilers, I guess? Um, No, we knew. knew. (laughs) Like, I've been already spoilers. There's no way. But I will say that that was something from the very first episode. I was like, they're going to play this. Like, this girl doesn't exist. And she's going to come in last moment and, like... Well, not that I knew that she was going to save them last moment. I really was not expecting her to make them sing a goddamn song. And ooh, that's, that stressed me out, Sam. Like, honestly, that stressed me. The The never-ending story song. Dude, he interrupted the Earthsea Chronicles for that. I know. He better have a good reason. Yeah, he better have a good reason. Well, no, was it her that was reading Earthsea Chronicles or was it Erica? I think it, it was, was... Susie Pooh. Oh my gosh, it was Susie Pooh. So that was also a really great nod to my baby Ursula Le Guin. Um, Susie Pooh was reading that when um, when Dustin finally got a hold of her, I think. Right, because were yeah. they, and they were on the same frequency. Maybe she just like hadn't gotten. They didn't. They never explained why she wasn't on before. Yeah, right? she just wasn't home. She yet, just wasn't and they home missed yet. each other. Okay, that makes sense. And for some, I know we've talked about this a few times. What a weird time to be living in, as Americans, that a movie, a not a movie, I guess a show. I keep calling it a movie, a show about the Cold War portraying the Russians as the enemy is somehow obviously subversive to our current president. (laughs) It's the strangest feeling. 
We are living in strange, strange times, my friend. I don't, I don't know what else to say about that. So where were you seeing that? The entire, I've heard like weird murmurs from, you know, like I have a very conservative family, but just the fact that the Russians were portrayed as America's enemy even in the Cold War, what was like somehow considered as like like a show of power against the president, but which is again just very strange. But that would only stranger be, things. Str- it would say it can only be stranger, stranger and stranger things. <laughs> okay, so I know that we are here to talk about both. Is there any similarity between the two, or did you just want to cover them separately because they're, like, two things that really stood out for us? I just think it's been big media events of the summer that I think both of us are really hyped about. You ready to get to the big dog? We can get to the big dog if you want. Are you done with Stranger Things? I don't want to, like, abruptly... Oh, yeah, we watched all the episodes. Let's move on. (laughs) Let's move on. Okay. So, uh, with Midsommar, can we please um, touch base with your... um, Nightlight, daylight reference. Um, I know it's kind of a hack comparison at this point, and I know they're not exactly the same, but Hereditary and Midsummer are so similar as two different pieces, like by the same director. They remind me of Aesop Rock's Nightlight and Daylight. Very much to where like it's the same basic structure of a song. It's the same message. One is just spookier and darker. Spookier. Like, especially because these movies aren't the same movie at all. I think that is a weak comparison to, like, call them similar. But what I think is they had very similar structures. I think that the stories that did take place happened very similarly. Okay, so that is something that I definitely wanted to talk about because um, the two things that I saw was that the pacing were really similar and they actually also have really similar story structures. So I don't want to take away from anything that you want to say first, but they have way more... The more and more you think about it, they have way more similarities than even you and I originally talked about. Well, I mean, it's... um, I'm so sorry. Who's the director again? Um, One of my favorite new directors... It is Ari Aster, mm-hmm. who directed and wrote Hereditary, directed and wrote Midsummer. Yeah. Um, he makes big choices. Yeah. To say the very least. <laughs> yes. Yes. Um, I've found myself, to be really honest, laughing the first time I see the movie, mm-hmm. and then kind of having it hit me later going back for multiple viewings and just having it hit me how like really like heavy and big the movie is. I think it just it plays against a lot of like our um like modern american expectations of there's just absolutely no um irony like at all in the movie yeah, everything yeah. is played directly (laughs) straightforward and there's just such big imagery in the movies that I think it takes 
multiple viewings. I think that's one of the really big similarities. I think what you were saying earlier when we were talking about it, about how the movie kind of is a slow burn, and a slow burn, and a slow burn with these, like, really quick spikes, and then the last 20 minutes is just batshit crazy. Yeah. And it just kind of wakes you up out of a weird daze, which is very jarring. Like, I think a lot of it kind of went along with the beats of their mushroom trips that they kept taking the whole time. Yeah, I kind of forgot about that, and they were really good about kind of making it even more surreal by making it more subtle in the background times. Yeah, just the weird things that would pulse every once in a while. Yeah, and there wasn't really any drug content in Hereditary, and while I do think, I mean, they followed almost identical pacing, and I started even noticing that they had um, kind of even similar storylines. That was just, like, more surreal because it was, like you're saying, like, with the daylight, nightlight references, like, it was a darker version of that, where, like, I feel like the daylight version of that could only be made more eerie and, like, bright, sunny fields with mushroom trips that make everything just a little bit off, if that makes sense. No, definitely. Like, it it was definitely a feat to pull off something so creepy and something so bright and pretty and cheery. And they really, I mean, you, you have to do it with, like, cults and mushrooms. And yeah. Like, it's a perfect comment. And I think all of that, like, really pristine, beautiful, scenic, slow imagery combined with, like, every once in a while there's just, like, extreme brutality or something really yeah. grim or something really fucked up. I think that really plays to it. I know you were saying, like, oh, you never really want to see it again. And I was like, oh, I can't wait to see it again. I need to go watch the movie again. Like, I honestly mostly just don't want to see that sex scene again. Like, I don't... So I th- Honestly, I thought it was so beautiful of a movie, and there are so many really cool parts, and it's like... Those pushy-tushy hands. Yeah, those pushy-tushy hands were not for me. And also, like, let's not leave out that 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 part where there's, like, that ritual. I mean, we're full spoilers, so, I mean, there's, like, a ritual suicide, basically. And there's one part where I just, like, I'm not even going to lie. Like, I shouldn't even have an opinion on it because I didn't see it. It was one of those things where, like... Yeah, you just heard it, and it, it was like, like, you got shook. Yeah, it was the type of body horror that, like, I do not deal with. I have anxiety. There are certain things that I know not to deal with with my anxiety. And in this movie, I don't want to give away too much, but... There is something that is very specifically something <laughs> that I am, like, basically horrified of. So, um, yeah, I would definitely also warn that if you are not ready for, like, very, very visceral and cool-ass, like, effects, don't go to this movie. Because they were horrifying, but I've also, like, never seen effects like that before. So it was, like, really cool to see. Yeah, well. They were... They were pretty fun. Yeah, they got they were, pretty rowdy. Pretty they got fast. rowdy. Yeah, they got they got rowdy really fast and like really suddenly. Like they, it was kind of the same thing in Hereditary, where like so that was one of those similarities I was talking about, where like not only did they both lose, like okay, full full spoilers for everything here, so like get get the hell out if you can't do that, but um, not only do they both lose a sibling kind of earlier on in the movie, right? Then the movie is this culmination of basically like grooming for um, like rituals, right? 
And these rituals always happen with these families that not only include people who are actually in your family, but people who just represent a family because of their, like, occult relation to you. And yeah. both of those movies kind of follow that theme. I thought that was really interesting. Yeah, one just has, like, a, a statue made out of bodies and dead birds, mm-hmm. and the other has a flower snail. A big old flower snail <laughs> walking what? down the field. <laughs> I hear you. You guys keep saying flower snail. Is it because she's just sitting in that throne? It's just like that Didn't mountain you said flower snail. In the theater, you kept yelling, flower snail, flower snail. No, I didn't. Oh, yeah, you did. I would never yell in a theater. <laughs> well, not yell, but you kept saying, flower snail, flower snail, to me. I didn't say that. Oh, I promise you, you did. I feel like, okay, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I don't think I said that. I think I said something else. I honestly was reminded, really, of like a lot of like Frida Kahlo paintings I've seen. Yeah, honestly. Um. But I felt like it looked a lot more like a flower mountain because she was just sitting like, like yeah. she was just like sitting there and all those. So there were a lot of like weird scenes, but I think aesthetically that movie was who I loved it. That's aesthetically, I see, it was gorgeous. I want to see gorgeous. it again because so I can be ready for all the imagery that I don't like. So I don't laugh at the guy sewn up on the bear. So I don't laugh at the giant mountain made out of flowers because it's beautiful. <laughs> But it was jarring to see. No, no, no. The flowers I thought were beautiful. Don't even, don't even take away from the me. The hands on the butt, just thrusting, the hands thrusting, on the butt, thrusting. I will forever be able to leave it. The I will leave that at the door of the director. I do not need that. I will never take it. I don't need it. Um, <laughs> but the rest of the movie, I mean, that's the thing. Is like maybe it was just because I was like feeling real snarky that day. But like I would definitely see that movie again. Other than the fact that there, it is very specifically. I think why I said that is it has the exact type of visceral gore that I I do not, I'm not okay. Like, I don't do well with. Mm-hmm. Other than that, it was, God, it was a beautiful movie. And one thing I will definitely say is I have never seen a movie um, more accurately portray doing a hallucinogenic drug out in nature. Definitely. That definitely. was absolutely gorgeous. I do attribute a little bit of that to like uh, our technology getting better and better with how we do effects and things. And like we can literally make, we can make the screen breathe. And mm-hmm. I feel like that that's like one of the most accurate ways, especially portray- to portray mushrooms or acid or any of the types of hallucinogenics that they were doing. Or, definitely. You know, just I know that from a friend. <laughs> from, yeah, me too, from a friend. Um, I, man, I really liked this movie, even though I laughed a lot in the theater. But I talked to one of our friends the other day. Yeah. And that's what they were saying, too. They're like, no, this was one of the most beautiful movies I've ever seen. The entire theater was laughing, so were we. It doesn't matter. It was beautiful and we loved it. Yeah. I we f- laughed because it was uncomfortable and we didn't know what else to do. Yeah, I feel like you are very worried that we laugh. But I mean, I honestly, like, it, I wasn't trying to be childish. I really couldn't help it. They just... The, the idea of all of those women, women doing a ritual dance while this, while this, like, Andy Dwyer dude tries to have sex with this woman... It's only the way he looks up at them. He literally looks up at them and looks around like, all right, am I really doing this? And then, <laughs> like, I think it was the moment he made that face that I was kind of just like, all right. And other, I mean, other than the fact that it was probably my discomfort or immaturity or whatever that was like making me laugh at Or that. it was just fucking weird, it dog. It was fucking weird, dog. Okay, it was weird. Okay, other than that, the movie was... I, 
I thought it was really interesting. It was really eerie. It was very original. I haven't seen anything like that before. Um, I so hereditary. Okay, so I was gonna ask you, <laughs> um, if you can compare them so much, would you, how would you rate them against each other? Which one? Which one do you walk away as like a only between the two, not as like a favorite movie ever, but between the two, which which would you say is a favorite? oh hereditary? I like devil shit. Oh, you like Devil? And that's funny, too, because we talk about how, like, this is, like, the bright spring version of it, and I would probably say Midsommar. But Other, I love cult you know, shit. I might say Hereditary, though, just because, like, Midsommar, again, like, the exact body horror that I cannot deal with. I, It is my nightmare. The things that happen in this show are literally, like, in this movie... And the way they depict them, which honestly, kudos to them. Kudos to them that they can horrify me so much that I'm like, no, I can't watch that again. Like, I'm afraid to get traumatized because I'm like, nah, I forgot to close my eyes the first time. I don't want to, like, miss it again. Yeah. So, other than that, I think it's really cool that they can accomplish that much. That's still a really visceral, cool reaction. (laughs) They're just such different movies. Like, hereditary was all cool and hail payment and there's all these demons and there's there's a cult in that one too. That's cool. But, <laughs> but Midsummer's just fun. It's fun yeah. and it's wacky. It's like I know he's only made two like full feature move full length movies so far, but so far it's like the Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2 of his movies. Okay. To where he just kind of remade the first one. But way different and way brighter and way crazier. Oh, I can definitely see that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I can definitely see that. And don't tell anyone, but I like Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2 better. So, I don't know, maybe I like Midsummer better. I mean, you just said don't tell anyone on something that we're going to broadcast, but that's up to you, my dude. Whatever. Um... Yeah, I I think that your reference to that was very <laughs> it was very apt. I did I had not thought of it like that before, and then it made me draw all of those other comparisons with it, which like really made me. <clears throat> I don't know. It makes me look forward to the other work that this director will put out because I enjoy those paces. They creep me the hell out. I think the way that it can like kind of be really slow for a lot of not even slow. Slow is not the right word. Um, oozing. Oozing's a good word. Yeah, it's it's creeping. It's, it's plotting. It's unstoppable. Yeah, it's oh. slow, but it's not. Who did boring. it? Follows because. Oh, I have no the spirit idea. I of know that. the spirit of these movies is how it follows makes me feel. It's Halloween. Yeah, you know I mean? it's, it's just the... like this like unrelenting thing that will always be coming for you. Yeah, you it's Michael I mean? Myers, huh? Yeah. Man, horror movies are the shit. <laughs> Stranger Things is a horror show, though. Wait, would you call it horror? <sighs> Probably. I'm not, sci-fi, horror. Yeah. I don't know. I feel like there's enough horror in it to satisfy horror fans. I so know I like it. Would you consider it foremost like a sci-fi work or a work of nostalgia? Because very specifically, Stranger Things is written and styled and uh, ev- designed, everything in it is designed to kind of reflect nostalgia. For, oh, I think it's a pure kind of nostalgia like grab. Okay, so it is nostalgia, yeah. And the thing is, too, is I was even just reading today about how, like, the font and the intro were all very, the um, even the grain of the film is really specifically chosen for that. Yeah. But that was really cool. 
Oh, yeah, it's the Stephen King font. Yeah. <laughs> well, do you have anything else on Midsummer or Stranger Things? Um, I don't think so. I feel like there's a lot more we could say about Midsummer, but, like, it might just be, like, a, a work of that director the next time they put a movie out. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to see what he does next. Lots of weird, uncomfortable situations. Um, I know we normally say turkeys get cooked, but we've been watching a lot of um, anim- the Batman the Animated Series. So why don't, you, why don't you tell them, Dana? Tell them what it is. You play chicken long enough, you fry. Hear that, you fat lumps? <laughs> don't call people fat lumps. See ya.